0: You're here. Go ahead and grab your Bibles with me, if you will, and turn with me to Exodus chapter 15. By the way, I love the bald guy theme that we're going with today. Have you looked at your bulletin, bald guy, bald guy preaching, bald guy on there. Bald stuff going on. I'm loving it, man. Go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 15. Just kind of in light of what we just saw, we obviously all, we face struggles. We all get challenged from time to time in our faith, and today... What I want to talk to you about is we're in between series. We'll be starting a new series next week called Effective Parenting in a Defective World. But this morning, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about dealing with disappointments. My family, over the course of this past summer, we've been struggling just with different things. I'll talk a little bit more about it here in the message. But I just felt led this morning to uh, to talk to you about disappointments. And how do, you, how do you deal with that whenever you're going through that? We know that disappointments are obviously a common experience of life. Everyone here, at some point in your life, some of you are at a place of disappointment right now. Many of you have have been disappointed. And if you're not right now, probably before long, you'll be going into a place of disappointment. There are so many things in our life that disappoint us. Events can disappoint us. There so maybe maybe you bought tickets to a concert one time and you went to the concert and you spent all this money and then you were really kind of disappointed by it. It didn't uh, it didn't really live up to all of the hype. Or it probably is not by accident that I'm pro- I'm preaching on dealing with disappointment. And the Cowboys play at noon today. Okay, just want to go ahead and get you ready for that. As you go out, you can use something uh, if you need to. Or how about this? I, I don't know if any of you saw this this past summer. Many of you, if you're sports fans, you probably did. Uh, this past summer, uh, Detroit Tigers pitcher Andres Galarraga was throwing a perfect game. Now, if you're a sports fan, baseball fan, you may, may have heard about this and saw this. He was throwing a perfect game. 27 up, 27 down. He was He was at the last last batter, the crowd was going crazy. Now guys, you need to understand that there have only been 18 perfect games pitched since the year 1900 in the major leagues, only 18 perfect games. This guy's about to make history, and he gets to the very last batter, and the batter hits a little just a just a routine ground ball to second base, and, and he hits the ball over to second base, and and, uh, and 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 the first baseman's going for the play, so the pitcher has to run over to first base, and he gets there should it should have just been an easy out, should have been a perfect game in the books. But the umpire, Jim Joyce, who was calling that game one of the best umpires in the league, totally missed the call. You can see it. I mean, it was so clear when he missed the call that that the guy was out, Uh, you can see clearly, by a couple of steps. But he called him safe. And there's no reversing that in the major leagues. They don't have instant replay. And so, I mean, the fans were disappointed. You can only imagine how disappointed Galaragas was with, with nearly making history, being one of, those, one of those that had thrown a perfect game in major league baseball. The fans were disappointed. He was disappointed. But if you saw anything afterwards, there was nobody that was more disappointed than the umpire Jim Joyce himself. I don't know if you saw that. This guy was dead devastated knowing that he blew the call he knew that he messed it up he knew afterwards that he had messed this up and he gets he's even having this little the the press is just grilling him and I felt so sorry for this guy as he's standing before him here's what he says this is this is what he said he said it was the biggest call of my career and I kicked it here's what he said I just cost that kid a perfect game and he was really emotional and and you know we we can get disappointed with events we can get disappointed with people we'll talk a little bit about that some today and we really have a tendency to get disappointed with ourselves right i mean we can get really upset with ourselves and things that we fail in and he was so disappointed we beat ourselves up sometimes whenever we whenever we have a failure in our life and and you know i'll tell you i don't know if you saw the rest of the story but, but one of the greatest sports stories I've ever witnessed, in all, and I'm a sports fan, but one of the greatest sports stories I saw, he blew this call. He's back out there the next day for the same teams that are playing because they have a rotation there, and he is the umpire. Joyce is the umpire at home plate, and it's pre-game. They're getting ready to start the game. Uh, just a class act, Galaragas comes out. He didn't have to do this, but he went out there to home plate, handed him the lineup sheet shook his hand, could have been bitter about this, but he shook his hand, and man, just the place just erupted in applause. It was a sportsmanship moment. It's one of those that you just... And i got to tell you, in my book, that goes far beyond any kind of perfect game. I mean, that was a class act. Joyce was so overcome by just that, that act of forgiveness that he broke down right there at home plate and was just kind of weeping right there, and he's just really kind of a tough guy. But that was just an amazing thing. But, you know, we, we have things that disappoint us all the time. I mean, there are things that you're struggling with this morning that you're disappointed about something. There's something that has just been, it's kind of been eating your lunch and you just have been disappointed with that. Maybe, you know, you've been disappointed with some of the things that you've bought that they didn't turn out as great as you thought that they would be. Can I, can I get an amen about that? And you're, maybe you're still paying on that or something and you're like, man, I'm really disappointed with this car. I'm disappointed where we live or I'm disappointed with this. Could be, uh, you know, Christmas morning. You've had some Christmas morning disappointments, you know, where you saw this gift that's been sitting under the tree for several weeks, or maybe you were a kid or whatever, and you're and you and you're like, I can't wait to open this. And then you open it, and it's a clapper, or it's a chia chia pet, or or maybe for some of you it's a Snuggie, or I don't know. Um, that, and some of you are going, dude, I love my Snuggie. Back off the Snuggie. I had someone that said, I didn't even get the real Snuggie. I got the knockoff Snuggie. I was disappointed, man. And, uh, and so you can get disappointed by things that you buy. You can get disappointed uh, at certain events. You can get disappointed at church. I know that that happens. I know that there are times where you've been disappointed in a church. Maybe you've been disappointed with our church. You've probably been disappointed with me. Let me tell you, I'll disappoint you again. That's just what life is like. Disappointments, they come and they go. We all struggle with disappointments because people are involved in it. You know, Uh, one of the things that I really kind of want to just kind of take a look at this morning there's no question in my mind that the most difficult disappointments I think that that we deal with are disappointments with other people whenever someone else kind of lets you down Whenever somebody that maybe you looked up to, they didn't, maybe they weren't everything that they were cracked up to be. And there was an expectation that you had of a certain person, and in some way, they let you down. And I, I just want to confess this to you before. There have been many times where I've been greatly disappointed by another person. There have been times where I've worked on staff at another church where I was disappointed by someone on that staff or somebody that I worked with. Or uh, There have been times where I've been disappointed as the pastor of this church. There have been times where some of you have been disappointed with things. Disappointment is a part of life. It's a part of stuff that we deal with, everyday things that we deal with. And some of you have been disappointed by another person. And maybe they broke a promise to you, or maybe something was said about you and you found out about that. And again, there have been times where as a pastor, where I thought somebody really, really loved me or whatever, and then I found out they were talking behind me, about me behind my back. How many of you ever experienced that? That's disappointing, right? Whenever you find stuff like that out, and we've all had that happen from time to time, where those hurts come about, and you're going, man, where did that come from? I didn't even see that coming. And and you're disappointed and you're hurt in the midst of this. On the flip side, let me add something to this. On the flip side, we've all disappointed another person, right? So we can focus all we want on all the disappointments that everybody else has let us down in certain ways. But the truth is, is that you've disappointed someone at some point in your life. You have been a disappointment at certain points and maybe things that you said and you, maybe you messed up and something that you said and you hurt somebody. Guys, we all do it. We're people. We mess up in these areas. and, and you know. But one thing that I'm learning as I'm, I'm trying to grow in the Lord, as I'm striving to become more like Christ, as I'm trying to be a better pastor, one of the things that I'm learning is that undoubtedly a secret of success is learning how to deal with disappointments specifically dealing with disappointments with other people. If you never learn how to do that, you're not going to go very far in life. If you never learn how to work through the disappointments in your life, if you just pick up and leave and run any time you're faced with a situation like that, you'll never learn. You'll never mature through a process if you don't deal with the disappointment in some way. Biblically speaking, if anybody was ever a pro, I'm talking a pro at dealing with people, it was Moses. And that's who we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at Moses in his life. Moses knew how to deal with disappointments. Moses knew how to deal with disappointments with other people. He had disappointing situations that, that kind of got out of hand. And he, and people got disappointed with him. They got disappointed with his leadership. And, 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 and i got to say that I think Moses must have been the most patient man of his day. If you read the story of, of God using him to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, you'll find that Moses was an incredibly patient man. He wasn't perfect. I mean, he messed up and he disobeyed God in certain ways. In fact, he never got to enter into the promised land. But he was a great leader, and there's so many lessons that we're going to pull from his story this morning. And, and, you know, it seemed like one of the favorite pastimes that the Israelites had was to complain about Moses. I mean, if you were to if you were to look at his life, you'd find that that was and this story that we're going to look at that was like their favorite thing to do. Their motto became, "If anything goes wrong, blame Moses," and they would do that. I mean, they would find him and they would blame him. They would complain and grumble. And I believe that that is, and you can look in the scripture, one of the reasons why it took them forty years to finally get to the place of the promised land, because they kept failing the, path, uh, the, the test of dealing with disappointment over and over again. And just like Pastor Randy said last week, God said, give them another lap, another lap around the desert until they learn these lessons. When things didn't seem to to be going their way, they were really quick to get negative. I'm so glad that none of us are ever like that, right? I mean, we don't struggle with that in any... uh, See, the sarcasm... Oh, yeah, that was over last week. Sorry, okay. Um, Sarcastic uh, series ended last Sunday. But but the thing is, is that they, they had a propensity to just get really negative. And then they would get really critical. They would get critical of their leader. They would get critical of each other. And so they would start with what we'll call situational disappointment where well, they would be disappointed with the circumstances that they were dealing with. And what you'll find is that the situational disappointment would many times turn into relational disappointment. When we get disappointed with things, we start looking for somebody to blame. We start looking for somebody to point the finger to and to say, you're a cause of this. This is something that you have brought on. And, and so they were complaining in this situation and and, and and they would challenge Moses' leadership. They would doubt his decisions. They would criticize him behind his back. And they questioned his motives, which was something that I found to be an amazing thing. At one point, they said to Moses, they said, Moses, have you brought us out here in the desert just to die? Is this Was this really all just some big scam to get us out here into the desert so you could kill us all off? and you know and 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 if Moses he must have been thinking really this is what i get i mean this is this is what happens whenever i uh, whenever i lead these folks and now this incident that we're going to look at today is a, it's a powerful passage i hope that that one that you'll remember today and you'll take some truth away from this today that you can use in your life the israelites were faced with a water problem now they had several water problems as you can imagine as they were out in the desert this is where they were wandering out in the desert right Now, the first water problem that they had was there was way too much of it because their backs were up against the sea and and they had just come out of Egypt. Moses had led the Israelite nation out. Pharaoh, after after going through plague after plague, finally said, "Okay, you guys can go. Just please get out of here. We're tired of all the stuff that's happening because of your God that is bringing this down upon us. So they left. They get trapped up against the Red Sea. Uh, Pharaoh decides he's changed his mind. He's pressing down upon them and it's just going to slaughter them all in the desert. And this is what he's doing. And they are trapped. They are up against the Red Sea. We know the, the story. We know that God parted the Red Sea. They went across, the Bible says, they went across on dry, dry ground. Now, as they got through that, 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 that portion of uh, their journey, they, they were in the desert. And so the next problem that they had was they ran out of water. They didn't have any water. First, they had way too much. Now they don't have any water. Now, the problem that we're going to look at is when they finally got to some water, it wasn't everything that they thought it was. How many of you, that's been kind of a pattern of your disappointment? Is that you, you may finally see something you get and you got it figured out. And you think, man, I've got this thing figured out completely. You get there and then it's not everything that it was cracked up to be. And what happens? The disappointment goes deeper within. And you start getting disappointed. You can get disappointed with God and think that God let you down. You get disappointed with other people. You start looking for somebody to blame. This is what happens in this story. It's a fascinating story. They get to the place called Mara and mara is a place where they found water but the water that they found now can you imagine them getting there they're so thirsty it's been 3 days they're like we found water we've got water this is going to be great and then they take a drink and it's bitter the water is bitter that's what mara means by the way it means bitter and man they were mad they were angry they were upset they started just really getting disappointed and they were very angry and and we'll read and see who they started to blame here okay From this incident in Moses' life that we're going to look at, we're going to see some lessons and some truths that you and I can take and that we can use in our life because we're all dealing with some disappointments this morning. Look with me in Exodus chapter 15. Look at verse 22. Here's what the Word of God says. It says, And then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. I think they were getting thirsty, right? I mean, they, they, they didn't find any water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? And then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Now, can you imagine? He's crying out to God. God, we need something to drink. And the Lord says, there's a piece of wood over there. Um, I don't know, but in my brain, that doesn't really compute, right? Okay, I don't think I can get a drink out of the piece of wood. I imagine Moses is going... So, another lesson to be learned that's not really in your notes here, but a lesson to be learned is sometimes the solution for whatever your disappointment is, it's not going to make any sense. You, are you following me this morning? It's not going to make sense sometimes. God has another way of doing things that we don't always understand. And so, God, we're thirsty. Do something. Here's some wood. What? You know it's like that's, I didn't say we're hot and need fire, God, or we need furniture, God, we need something to drink and 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 it's like, well, there's some wood, okay, and it just doesn't make a lick of sense whenever you look at this, And so it says that he takes the wood, he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet, it became sweet right there the lord made a decree and a law for them and there he say it with me church what did he do he he tested them just remember that he tested them he said if you listen carefully to the voice of the lord your god and do as is what is right in his eyes if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his all his decrees i will not bring on you any of the diseases i brought on the egyptians for i am the lord who heals you and then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So they came to this place of Mara, the place of disappointment. It means bitter. There was a bitterness that was in their life at this point. It was, it was a difficult and bitter situation that they found themselves dealing with. And I know that some of you this morning, that that is exactly where you're at. You are at the place of Mara. And you're at a place of disappointment right now. And there's a bitterness that's beginning to grow within your heart. You're at that place of disappointment that we all deal with from, from time to time. And life is going to be filled with disappointments. And so what we can do is we can learn From some of these disappointments that the Israelites and Moses was dealing with. So I want to give you some truths today to take from God's Word. So I encourage you to write these things down and you'll be able to put these into practice because these are everyday things that are very relevant to your life, okay? So here is the first truth that I want you to write down about dealing with some disappointments in your life. The first one is this, is that oftentimes the greatest successes in life are many times followed by a failure or you could even say a disappointment, isn't that true? So Sometimes you have a great victory in your life and you're up on this great spiritual mountaintop or everything's going w- well for you right now. Life is just cruising along. Things couldn't be better. And, and I'm not trying to discourage you, but I just want to say, as a believer, you need to be prepared because many times disappointment is right around the corner. And This is exactly what was happening to the nation of Israel at this point. If you were to read the Book of Exodus, you'd find that only three days earlier the Israelites had had an enormous victory whenever they were backed up against the Red Sea. This was only three days before this. Can you imagine watching God do all of these things in the midst of Egypt and, and delivering him the way that they did the way that God did, and then they're trapped? Up against the Red Sea And and you know the Egyptian army at this time Was one of the most powerful armies In the world They were conquerors And they were coming on their chariots And with swords And they were coming to obliterate them And they were trapped They were desperate And what did God do? I mean one of the greatest miracles of all time God parted the Red Sea And the word of God says that they went through On dry ground I mean, if God was going to do it up, He did it up right. They weren't sloshing through there. They went through, the Bible says, on dry ground. So they're flying high. They come out of this enormous victory. And then, by the, by the way, if you know the story, or you watch the movie, okay, or whatever, um, you know that as the, as the Egyptians decide to bear through there, you know that the Scripture says that the water closed in on them. And so God defeated their enemies for them. They didn't even have to fight this battle, and God did this for them. So they're coming out of the Red Sea, they're headed to the Promised Land, and they are pumped. They're fired up. They're on a spiritual high like probably none of us have ever been upon, because we've never seen anything quite like that, that God has done. Uh, That miraculous, and I mean, just, just an incredible thing that happened. And so they're, they're, they're kind of trucking along there and they're, they're singing praises to God. They're declaring how victorious they are because of God. And, and in fact, there's a song that they're singing as they're going through. And you know, their, their, their throats start getting a little dry and a little scratchy. And, and the next thing you know, they're going, man, we're thirsty. We're starting to get a little thirsty out here. You know, we're, we're unbeatable. We're, we're invincible. Uh, and three days later, what do you find them doing? Grumbling, complaining, murmuring, backbiting, all of these things were going on. Sound familiar? I mean, I I don't know about you guys, but I find myself being guilty of, of oftentimes having a spiritual victory in my life. And then the next thing you know, I have forgotten the incredible thing that God has done in my life. And I'm gripping and I'm complaining and I'm moaning and all this stuff and and, and and in spite of the fact that God has done these great things in our lives. And so if you were to if you were to continue to to read on in this passage, you'll find that, that they're entering into the land of Canaan. And God has said, I'm gonna fight your battles for you. I mean, they watch God do this with the Egyptians. And He said, I'm going to go before you and I'm going to give you victory. You just keep trusting in Me and you place your faith in Me and it won't always make sense to you, but you stay steadfast. And I'm going to give you victory. So they come upon the first city. Is one of the biggest cities in the whole area. And it's, area, and it's surrounded by a great big wall. It's Jericho. You know that story. And you've probably seen the Veggie Tale. Okay? And they come up to, to Jericho. And and, and and they're like, how are we going to do this? We don't, and God says, here's what I want you to do. You keep marching around this. And what you know the story. You know the walls come down. God gives them this incredible victory. Now, if you were to keep reading, you'd find out that they start thinking that maybe we're the ones that are doing this. And they're like, man, we're bad. We're kicking everybody's tail in the desert out here, and we're going to just take over everything. And and so they're starting to feel really self-confident and cocky in themselves. And then they come to this next little town. It's a little town called Ai. Ai. And if you read the story, you'll find that AI was one of the smallest cities there. And they get there, and they're like, "Oh, we don't need to send everybody. Just send a few of our boys down there. We'll, we won't even focus on them. We will go defeat them at AI." And if you know the story, you know that the AIites—I guess that's how you say that. I don't know, but uh, we'll just say the AIites—they they chase those Israelites out of there, and man, they come running back to mama with their tails tucked between their legs, and they've gotten whooped. Because they started thinking that they were the ones who were going to bring the victory. And they were disappointed time and time again. A great success in our life many times is followed with a disappointment. And I don't know if that's because of our, our self-dependence, our self-reliance. Uh, I know that we can't constantly live on the mountaintops. That in between every mountaintop is what? Is a, is a valley? And you have to pass through certain valleys... But this was something that was was a regular occasion that happened for the nation of Israel. And I know so so many of you relate to this as well. And So if you just had a big success in your life, rejoice in that. But as a believer, you don't need to get discouraged about the fact that you're going to go through a valley. You just need to understand, you're going to go through some valleys. I don't know when we started thinking as people of God that we would never go through valleys. You're going to go through some valleys as a believer. I'm not one of these preachers that's going to tell you something different. That's why we have psalms like the 23rd Psalm that talk about those valley experiences. You're going to go through some valleys. But the test of your character is how you go through the valleys. And that's what we got to understand. And so uh, let's let's just look at something right here. We see that God led them to the place of Mara. Again, Mara means what? It means bitter. It's bitter water. God led them to this place where it was bitter. Why did God lead them there? Let's read this passage. What does it say? Then the Lord made a decree, a law for them, and there he say with me, Church, there he he tested them. You remember when we were going through the Book of James? Many of you were here as we were going through the Book of James. Remember, the first chapter just starts out by talking about these tests and these trials that we're going through. God is more interested in developing your character as a believer than he is about everything always being perfect around you and your circumstances always being perfect. God is in the business of making you more like his son, Jesus Christ, which means this you're going to go through some valleys. So how do you deal with the valleys when you go through these? This was a test that that God was was putting the nation of Israel through. A test test of dealing with disappointment. The question that God had for them is, okay, I'm going to bring a disappointment your way. You're thirsty. It's dry. You're in the desert. You you don't know how you're going to get through this. Here's the deal. I'm going to bring you to this place of testing. You know what God was testing? Because that was what I was asking this week. God, what are you testing in this? Here's what I discovered God was testing their reaction He was testing what their response would be In the time of disappointment The question is Do do we really trust God In the really difficult places That we find ourselves in And I know guys And I'm just going to I'm going to speak Just from my own personal testimony That I'm really pretty good at praising God When everything's going good And things are going great. I love to praise. I love to worship. I love to lift my hands. I love to praise God when everything's going great. But I found myself that there are character flaws that I have and deficiencies that I have that when the circumstances of life are not all lining up perfectly in my little plan, and my little brain, in the way I think they should work out, you know, I have a tendency to get really negative pretty quick. Can I get just a, a testimony with you this morning? Do you agree with me on this? Can he, Am I the only one out there that deals with this? Okay? Uh, we struggle with this. It's easy to praise God in the good times. But I think the question here, because uh, that's what they were doing, right? They were praising God. You delivered us. You did this. And now God's throwing a little test their way of provision, of taking care of them, of an absolute necessity in life, which was Water that they needed And God's saying are you going to trust me In the middle of this dry season Some of you you're dry this morning You're dry spiritually And you're disappointed What God is saying is But will you keep trusting me In the dryness Will you stay with me in the dryness Notice it doesn't say That God tested them at the Red Sea I think it probably was a test, but it doesn't really point that out. He wasn't so much testing them at the Red Sea. Do you know why? Because they're at the Red Sea. They're backed up against the wall. They had absolutely no faith. They're like, we're dead. And God rescued them through Moses' faith, right? Moses led them through there. Here's what I've learned in this story, is that God's character was revealed at the Red Sea. The Israelites' character was revealed at Mara. Are you with me today? Isn't that human nature? God's character is revealed in those places of desperation. Um, the Israelites and our character is often devi- revealed when we go through disappointments. So the question for you this morning, for you to consider, and and and. and this is something for you to really take to heart today, because I know some of you are really disappointed about some things. What do your disappointments say about your character? What do they say about what's going on in your life? Are you throwing in the towel? Are you giving up? Are you, are you just saying, man, I'm done with this? What does it say about your character whenever you get to that place? What do your disappointments say about you? Many times our disappointments lead to discouragement. Our discouragements, when they're not dealt with, what do they lead to? They lead to depression. We get into this place of darkness and depression. But our character is revealed in the daily irritations, in the tight spots. So that's that's what I want you to think about this morning. Now, now let's look and let's see how the Israelites responded. I wish I could tell you that it was a great response, but it wasn't. How did they respond and how do we respond many, many times? Look at what verse 24 says. So the people, say it with me church, what did they do? The people, they grumbled. They grumbled. You can just stop there. I mean, we know who they grumbled at. They, next, they were looking for someone to blame. But they grumbled. They grumbled and, and and they started. And now this word in the original language, it means they complained. It means they whispered against that's what it means. They started, started backbiting Moses. They started attacking his character. They started questioning him. And and it means that they griped. They slandered. They criticized. And it was all beginning to be directed at, at the person who was in charge at this. And it was Moses. Big Mo. And the man in charge. Okay? We often we will have a disappointment that will come after a victory. Here's another truth that I want you to write down. And and, and uh, this is something that Moses found to be true Is this The greatest Now that should say services It says successes But it, the greatest services in our life Are often followed by forgetfulness Forgetfulness Have you noticed how short our memory is When it comes to the goodness of God in our lives And I'm one that's speaking the truth this morning about my own life I've been there Have you noticed how quickly we forget the things and the lessons? And many of you, you will take these truths that are truths from God's Word and you'll take them out today and you'll hold on to them for for a little while uh, while everything's going good and then the disappointment will hit you later today when you're watching the game. okay, Or whatever it may be, it'll hit you later today and then you'll throw it out the window and you're like, we don't put into practice what we're learning. And so we're so disappointed. We don't let, we we forget the the goodness of God in our lives. We struggle with this so much. Israel had such a short memory. I'm fascinated by this passage because it says that it was only three days later that they were grumbling against Moses. And just think of what they just witnessed, but it was only three days. I've ta- I've said this before. I, I've got an uncle that. Um, by marriage that that I love he's a, he was not a believer for a while and we've had a lot of discussions about things and and it's been interesting because he is a deep thinker he thinks about things a lot and we've had some cool talks and he is a believer now but he at one point when when we were kind of going back and forth talking about this stuff I just told him. I said, you know, I encourage you to start reading God's word, okay? And when we get together, you can ask me questions or whatever. So he's starting to read about the about the nation of Israel. We get back together, and he's like, "Man, Bart, these Israelites are idiots, man! They keep doing this over and over again. I, I mean, uh, they they God would do something great for them, and then and then the next thing you know, they are cursing him. And, and 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 I'm like, yes, Mitch, they are a picture of us." Because we do that over and over and over again, don't we guys? God will do something in our life and then the next thing you know, three days later, we're complaining about something that, that obviously He could take care of. Let me ask you a question. If God could part the Red Sea, don't you think God could give them a little bit of water to drink? But they weren't thinking that way. But that's what we do. A, a time of great services. Followed many times by a time of forgetfulness. And so they adopted the motto of, when in doubt, grumble against Moses. And I think, I look at this guy and I think, poor Moses, man. I mean, this guy got beat up verbally on a regular occasion. One minute he is the hero. He is, God has used him to part the Red Sea. And they're all shouting to glory to God. And Moses is this great. And the next minute they are cursing his name. And they are, how could you do this to us? We want to go back to Egypt, you know? It's just amazing how quickly people forget things. How quickly we forget what God has done. Loyalty, you know what? Loyalty is something that's really hard to come by these days. Loyalty to a spouse. Loyalty to a place of employment. Loyalty to a church. Children forget their parents. Bosses forget their employees. As I said, spouses can take each other for granted. And the question that we could take away from this is, is, is there anybody in your life that maybe, God's trying to get your attention this morning, that you're taking somebody for granted? Are you taking somebody for granted in your life the way that that maybe Israel was taking Moses for granted? And that's a tragic situation. I I read uh, uh, recently about a, a chief accountant for a multimillionaire who had written a suicide note. And he went ahead and he followed through and he committed suicide. But this is what they found on the note. The note said this. said, in 30 years, I've never had an encouraging word and I'm fed up. That was the suicide note and just something for you to consider today husbands are you are you encouraging your wife are you encouraging your children are you taking them for granted this morning where they've been such a blessing to you wives wives are you encouraging your husband are you taking him for granted kids are you are you taking for granted the just the blessing that your parents have been for you i mean it's just it's interesting that how we can step into this place of taking someone for granted. Maybe it's a boss for you or an employee. Maybe it's your life group leader. Maybe it's one of the children's workers that week after week labor and serve out of love for for God and out of love for people. I mean, it's easy to start taking those things for granted, right? I mean, we would start doing this when you're disappointed. Here's some things we learned from Moses that that we do in in the midst of the disappointment. Here's what I want to encourage you not to do, okay? And this is what we're prone to do: is first, we want to we want to curse the situation, we want to curse the person. This is just where we're at. But but it, but if you want to learn from this, you don't curse this. Don't try to get even. Don't try to strike back. The Bible says this in Romans 12:14. I'd like for you to read this with me out loud. Say it with me, church. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. But we like to curse them, right? I mean, it feels better to curse them. You know what the word "bless" means? It's yuleget, oh, It means to speak well of. So it's not just like oh, a little blessing on you. You're actually going to speak well of that person. That person, maybe that has disappointed you. Don't try to retaliate. A typical reaction, a human reaction, is retaliation. You know, it, 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 it's I'm going to get even. You owe me. I'm going to get even with you in this. You know, if I were Moses, <laughs> I might have said, You know what? You guys can just, uh, you know, have fun finding your way back to Egypt. There were some other things that were going through my mind, but we won't go there. But um, I'm going on to the promised land. You guys can go back to Egypt then. A bunch of ingrates. Who needs you? You know, I can see him kicking a little can through the desert. You know, I'm so upset about this. Don't, <laughs> Don't curse it. And uh, here's the thing: the moment that you start trying to take up your case is the moment that God stops defending you. Who do you want defending you? You or God? Who do you think's a little better at it? There was an occasion where Moses' own brother and sister started grumbling against him, and they were talking about his family. They didn't like who Moses had married. So so you'll find that story, and, 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 and God, you know, God didn't find out. God knew it was going on, but God sees this going on. And God takes up Moses' case and, and puts a little fear into Miriam and Aaron. Who do you want defending you, you or God? God says, I'm going to back off if you start cursing others. You start cursing the situation. When you're disappointed, you don't, you don't curse that situation. Here's what many of us do. We rehearse it in our mind over and over again. Here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to rehearse that thing. You don't want to keep rehearsing that in your mind. How many of you, and just, just be honest, when you're disappointed with something, if you're disappointed with a person, you play the tape over and over and over again in your mind, and uh, how many anybody out there you can't get it it 's like it just dominates your mindset, okay? I'm not the only crazy one okay I'm glad to see some people raising their hand. It just kind of dominates us doesn't it? And we rehearse it over and over again. Our tendency is to is to just dwell upon it, to live within it. Job 5-2, I love this passage, says this. Job says, it says, To worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish thing to do. So if that's what you're doing, the Bible more or less is saying you're living kind of foolishly. In other words, you're living like a fool. Okay? That you're doing this over and over. Ephesians, Paul tells us in the New Testament, he says as a believer, a spirit-filled believer, you've got to choose to do this. Get rid of... Of the bitterness Get rid of all bitterness Get rid of the anger The slander Along with every form of malice Get rid of it Because it's eating you up It's tearing you up Inside So you don't rehearse this Every time you rehearse that hurt in your mind Do you know what it does? It gets bigger and it gets bigger and bigger And before you know it 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 is dominating your whole life everything in your life revolves around that root of bitterness that is taking taking seed in your life right there so you got to get rid of this and you know what i what i found is that i found in my own life when i'm living in that negative mindset that negative spirit i find negativity in everything then right i find negativity at at home you know and i bring that in and i'll find negativity with the people i work with i find negativity uh, you know every in everything, and that 's what we're paul 's saying that 's not the way to live the spirit filled life. grumbling becomes addictive, does it not it 's like an addiction for some of us to grumble about things soon your whole life is consumed with it, so you don't you don 't you know you don 't rehearse this thing over here 's what you also you don 't want to do this you don 't want to nurse this thing along. You don't want to nurse it along and and have a continual pity party. That's not saying that you won't be disappointed. That's not saying that you won't be sad. That's not saying you don't get angry with somebody. Those things happen. But you can't continue to nurse that thing along and live within that place of the pit. Don't allow it to make you a negative, bitter person. Paul goes on in the the book of Ephesians, in the same chapter, he talks about this. And the obvious there was he was talking about some relational disappointment here. He said, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, don't continue to dwell. He said, you need to take care of business. And he says, and do not give the devil a foothold. That word foothold, it's like a beachfront in your life, like, like an enemy charging in, trying to, t- like, like storming the beaches of Normandy. Whenever the Americans storm the beaches, they got a beachfront. They got a stronghold so they could move in and conquer. And that's what the enemy is trying to do with this thing you're rehearsing over and over in your mind. As he's trying to develop a beachfront in your life, Paul calls it a stronghold in your life. I've allowed the devil to take a foothold in my life in certain things, and man, it has brought about not good consequences whenever that has been something that I've caved into. And anger begins to turn into resentment, and it happens so quickly. And look what Job again says in 18.4. He says, you are only doing what? You're only hurting yourself with your anger. You're not hurting that other person. You're not hurting uh, the situation by being angry. You're only hurting yourself When you continue to carry this, I was thinking about this this week, about this whole thing of disappointment and being disappointed with people and struggling with that. And can you imagine if the Apostle Paul, if if he was like some of us when it came to disappointments with people, can you imagine the Apostle Paul just saying, man, that is it. I have had it. I'm sick and tired of these Apostles. And dealing with them, I'm tired of these other people. I'm tired of uh, Timothy. He won't seem to get these lessons that I'm trying to teach him as a young pastor. John Mark, he quit on me, you know. And Barnabas, everything's got to be Barnabas's way, you know. Can you imagine if he was like this? And this, he's going on and on and and you know. And Peter, he he's a hypocrite. One day he's saying he's with me in this thought on grace. The next day he's saying, no, it's the law. I just quit. Can you imagine? If this is what he did, but he didn't do this, you know, can you imagine Jesus be interesting if Jesus, you know, think about this. Jesus goes back to heaven ahead of schedule. The angels are like, Lord, what are you doing back here? I'm sick of these people. I've been disappointed by so many of them. Peter is denying me. The rest of them, the, the apostles are running away, afraid. And that Judas, that Judas, he betrayed me. You know, they don't love me. They've been spitting on it. They've been saying all these horrible things. Can you imagine all of this going on? And him just saying, you know what? I've just had enough. I'm just going to chuck this. I'm done. So th- this is not what he did. And I'm thankful that, it, that that he's not like that. And we should strive to be more like this. So you don't nurse this along. Here's what you do. This is what Moses did. Okay. Take this as truth for you today. You give it to God. And that's what you need to do today. Look what the Scripture says. It says, then Moses did what? He cried out to the Lord. You give this to God. You disperse it back to God. Let Him have it. You let it, let it go. You don't hang on to it. When you're disappointed, you don't, you don't go and talk to everyone else first. Which is what many of us do, right? i got to talk to everybody else about my disappointment. About how disappointed I am with that person Or disappointed with this We don't find Moses going i got to go find Aaron I need to talk to Aaron about this right now No, it says, what did he do? It says, he cried out to the Lord He went straight to God And I think that Moses Had some very frank conversations with God I think that he really poured his heart out Before It says, he cried out to God You give it to God that's a mark of a person with spiritual maturity. Is someone that will go to God. And that's not saying that we don't need our groups and that we don't need people around us that we can talk to. Sometimes God speaks to us through other people. I realize all that. Okay? I'm not discouraging that. I'm just saying before you go do any of that, you need to go to God first. You need to talk to Him in depth about it. And let's watch what God does the scripture in 1 Peter says, cast all your cares on him because, why? Because he does care. He does care. And you're thinking that he doesn't, but he does. Give that disappointment and then here's what God will do with it whenever you give it to him. God, because he is God, can reverse that for you. You let him reverse it. You let him turn it around, and I know you don't see anything good in it right now, but God is the kind of God that can bring good out of it. He's done it in story after story within the Scriptures, and maybe you're out of God's Word, and you're not reading the Scriptures to see that over and over again. Look at Joseph's life. You want to talk about some disappointment in his life? Disappointment with his family? that turned on him and betrayed him. Disappointment with with what God had said he was going to turn him into this great leader. All of these disappointments building up. But you know what he said when he when his family finally came to him years later and God had elevated him and grown him into a great man of God, he's standing his family standing before him and you know what what Joseph said? He said this because he understood God. He said, "You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good." See, what God can do is He can take a horrible, terrible situation that there could be nothing good in that situation, humanly speaking, and because God is God, He can turn it into something good in your life. That's what God does. What you have to remember is that if you are a believer, and I know most of you are who are here this morning, if you are a believer, nothing comes into your life by accident everything that happens in your life is father father filtered you following me nothing happens by accident in this so we go on and we read the story it says then Moses cried unto the Lord God I don't know what to do these people want to kill me I don't know what to do what did the Lord do the Lord showed him Something that he wouldn't have thought of. Showed him a piece of wood. And I I still, in my demented sense of humor, would be thinking Moses is going, wood. Okay, um, great. But then God told him what to do with the wood. And he threw it into the water. And what, what happened to the bitter disappointment? The water became sweet. It was a miracle. God brought sweetness out of something that was bitter. And this is what what God does. And I want to say just real quick, I feel really fortunate to get to be the pastor of an awesome church. You know, and people treat me with great respect, and, and I feel very honored as the pastor here, and I, and I feel loved and, and appreciated. You're a, an incredibly supportive congregation. I regularly get positive feedback from a number of folks, and I'm very grateful because I talk to pastors all the time that they don't feel that way. And a lot of them are quitting and giving up and quitting the ministry, and 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 it's just it's sad. I've shared those statistics with you, you know, a few months ago. But I feel very grateful, and I, I don't want you to walk out of here thinking this is some kind of double message. You know, there's no hidden agenda here. I feel very grateful. But but here is what I do want to say. And many of you are leaders who are, you're here, whether you're a leader in the church or you are a leader somewhere else. You are a leader in your home. What happens when you are the leader or you're the Moses and people don't appreciate you? You give it to God, and you realize that the greatest successes in life are many times followed by disappointment. The greatest services are oftentimes followed by forgetfulness. And sadly, you know what I'm learning? Here's what I'm learning about leadership. That seems to be a price of being a leader. It comes with the territory. That's just the deal. So here is the final thing for you to write down. And you can go get disappointed with the game. (laughs) I don't mean to be pessimistic, but hey. Um, Here's the final thing. The greatest shortages in life are often followed by fullness. You don't want to miss this. The greatest shortages in life or disappointments in life are often followed by fullness. There's a turnaround at some point that's going to happen for you. It says that they left Mara, the place of disappointment, the place of bitterness. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped near the water. It was an oasis. There were springs. There were palms. They were in palm springs, okay? I mean, it was a good place. It was beautiful. I mean, just think, it was like paradise for them. From where they had come out of in Egypt and the way they were treated. And God, in His perfect timing, brings an oasis. But do you know what I discovered? They had to go through the disappointment to get to the paradise. You know what I also find about this word right here? You know what's interesting about this? Is that Elam, where all the goodness was... You realize how geographically, how far it was from the place of disappointment? Mara, five miles. Let that be an encouragement to some of you who are disappointed this morning. You know what the message you can take away from this is? If you are so disappointed and you're ready to... Some of you, you're ready to throw in the towel. you're You're so disappointed about something or about someone. Here's what I think God might be trying to say to some of you this morning. Is don't give up. Don't quit. The place of paradise is right around the corner. Can you imagine if they'd have gotten that close and they'd have said, We are done, we're going back to Egypt. And they'd have missed Palm Springs. You know? It's a major amazing thing to look at. For some of you, your Elam is right around the corner. It's right around the corner. Some of you you're you're starting to live by your feelings and not by your commitments. Let me say that again some of us were starting to live by our feelings and not by our commitments do you know what a spiritually mature person does spiritual maturity is living by commitments and not just by the way that you feel and i'm going to tell you that's the way it is in a marriage i'm going to tell you that's the way it is in leadership we don't always feel like doing everything right do you know who gets things done in this world? It's not people and the way that they feel. It's people and the way that they are committed. Those are the ones that get things done in this world. But my heart isn't in it. My heart's on. You know, you got to start kind of acting your way into that, so your heart gets in it. I heard the story about this guy, Glenn. He woke up, and he said to his mom, he said, Mom, I do not want to go to church today. I don't want to go. And she said, you really should go. It'll be good for you. You need to go. You know, you, you know that it'll be a good thing. He said, Mom, I don't feel like going to church. I don't want to go. Get off my back. Some of you have had those kind of discussions, maybe even this morning. I don't know. And she said, you are going to church and he said, Mom, you give me one reason why I should go to church this morning. She said, I'll give you two. She said, one, you're a 45-year-old man. You need to get to church. She said, number two, you're the pastor. You need to be there. You don't just go or you don't just get involved because you feel like it. You're not always going to feel like it. you got to stick with your commitments. Are you committed we're not. So of you this morning, you're living at Mara. Some of you are thinking, man, I've been camped out at Mara for a long time, Bart. I'm getting tired of this bitter water. This stuff doesn't taste good. And it stinks. And it's hot. And it's dry. And your needs are not being met. And it's just a flat out hard situation for you to... To swallow right now And I'm just going to say It is no fun The Maras that we deal with Are no fun But they are places that God Teaches us so much more About ourselves Closing We've kind of My family over the course of the summer We've been in some Mara places I'll just tell you I won't go into great detail But just so you know that just cuz you're a pastor doesn't mean you're always living in Palm Springs. There's a lot of Mara to go around for a lot of people. And through the summer months, we were really struggling in a more particular an area with my wife's employment and what she was struggling with and and and, and, and again, I won't go into all the detail, but here's what I know is she would she would get to what seemed to be this great oasis And it seemed like it was going to be everything that was going to work out. And we would get all excited and get, man, pumped up about this. And the next thing you know, it would all just fall apart right before our eyes. Any of you ever had that happen? And then it happens again and again and again. Five times it happened this summer. We saw it happen. And every time it was like getting kicked in the gut. Every time. And you know what? I I started thinking, in spite of all the things God has done in our life and our family, in spite of the provision He makes daily for us, I could feel that bitterness starting to creep into my heart. I was getting angry. I was going, I, I, man, I had it out with God. I'm just going to tell you, and I and I would I would get it all out, and then I'd be like, I got to get that back. You know, <laughs> is there any lightning striking anywhere? And, and 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 that's just the, and I'm just telling you that the place of disappointment over and over again. And I'm going to tell you we're not out of the woods yet, or out of the desert, or whatever you want to call it. We're still kind of going through that. But I got to tell you this. And 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 the hardest part for me was watching my wife go through it, and I couldn't fix it. There wasn't anything I could do to fix it. And seeing her deal with that over and over again was the hardest thing as a husband for me to deal with that because I like to fix it. And I wanted to fix it, I couldn't. Finally, she's at a place of just brokenness before God. You know what I think God does? That's when he goes, all right now. Now it's time for me to go to work. Y'all get out of the way. It's time for me to go to work. This is what he does. You know what Hope said to me yesterday? She said, I have never been closer to God than I am right now. And as a husband, I was just like, we could have never gotten there. You don't get to the place of of, of of just that great, incredible place of closeness with God unless you go through the places of Mara. And that's where some of you are, and you're ready to quit. You're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to give up. And we were there. I mean, there were so many times. We, I was just many times just going, is this just a bunch of bull? Is this stuff not true? And God would be like, just keep watching me work. Don't quit. Don't give up. Your Palm Springs is right around the corner. It may it may be a little little longer than what you want, what you hope for, but don't quit. God's working something for good in your life, which I know you can't understand. He's telling you, take the piece of wood, and you're going, what am I going to do with this wood? God can do it. Let's have a word of prayer together and we'll be done. Nobody likes to go through Mara, do we? Nobody does. But the place of delight is often through the place of disappointment. Some of you, you're living in the place of disappointment today, and I heard for you this morning. I know what that feels like. It hurts. Let's just face it, you're really struggling with your walk with Christ. And with nobody else looking around, if you'd say, I'm living in that place of disappointment right now, Barn, and I'm struggling, man. If that's you this morning, would you just say, Nobody else looking around, let's have some privacy this morning. And that's you, would you just lift your hand up this morning and say, That's me, Pastor Bart. That is me. Lift them up, lift them up before God. There are, there are a lot of hands, just like I knew there would be, just like there were in the first service, a lot of hands, a lot of you are struggling. I want to just encourage you just to have a moment with your Savior. You might want to pray something like this. And it's just a prayer of brokenness before God. And you just say, Lord, this is a bitter place that I'm at right now, but I ask You, Father, to turn this bitterness in my life into sweetness. God, make the disappointment that I'm struggling with, make it Your appointment. Help me to learn from this, Lord. Help me to see your purpose in all of this. I don't understand it. And that's what we had to tell God this summer with some of the things that we struggled with. It did not make any sense for us. I couldn't see how God could bring Himself glory in a situation like like what we were struggling with. And you might just say, I don't understand, God. I don't understand. But help me to see and to trust and give me the faith to believe that Your purpose is bigger than my problem. In fact, help me to realize that nothing can devastate my life if my life is in Your hands and I give it to You. Make me more of a mature believer. Give me strength to keep on going. I feel like quitting right now. God, I don't want to. I want to keep keep going. I don't want to stop at Mara. Elam is just down the road. Use it for good in my life. Lord, I pray for these who lifted their hands. Lord, I pray that you would have encouraged them with your word. We love you. We bless your name. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that Elam is just down the road. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. And one of the things that kind of got us through the summer as we struggled was just realizing the only way to get through this stuff is to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Day by day. He told you he'd give you his daily bread, right? Give us this day our daily bread. And that's what he, he wants to sustain you day by day, step by step how many disappointments we had on the property that we were looking at all over the place? One would fall apart. I mean, it was just one right after the Another. Disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. We just decided we're going to keep pressing on. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. And that's what I want to encourage you to do this week. Don't try to figure out next week. Just figure out how to take your next step and depend upon God, okay? Why don't you stand with me this morning? We love you. If you need prayer this morning and you're discouraged... Randy and Kyle, myself, anybody else can come, maybe help pray. We'd we'll be glad to pray with you. Go in God's grace today. We'll see you next time. God bless you.